coffee in my cup because it is out outside. So I don't know how the next 20 to 47 minutes are going to go because I'm usually sipping on a little bit of coffee. I'm a little bit scared, but I'm going to see if we can do this without it. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in Matthew. We're going to be in chapter 14, and we're going to be just a couple verses together. Chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. Remember, I encourage you, bring a Bible that has pages. If you don't have a Bible that has pages, let me know. I can get you one. If you have one, but you have no idea what it's saying because you can't understand it, let me know. I'll get you one that you can read and it actually has English in it. It's going to be great. My first Bible I ever had right after I got saved, I was 17, almost 18 years old. I opened it to read it because I knew absolutely nothing, but I, I, I could not understand what the guy was talking about. And I had no idea who James was anyway. King James on the front of the Bible. Still, but I do know who he is now. Um... Raise your hand if you like to go swimming in the summer. Love to go swimming. Put your hands down. It's not because like I'm an Olympic swimmer like Michael Phelps. Um, I just really like to work on my tan. You know what I'm saying? Um, I like to just do that by the pool. I like to take naps by the pool. I like to throw my nephews in the water by the pool or anybody that I can physically pick up and throw into the pool. I enjoy doing that. Um, I will invite people over to the pool just so that I can throw them in. I probably should not enjoy that as much, but I, it really brings value to my life. Um, but raise your hand, because most people do this. The first time they walk up to the pool, they'll usually always like put like their toe or their foot in before they jump all the way in. If you're that kind of person, raise your hand. If you're just dive off into the bad girl, raise your hand. I respect that. I'm not that fearless. Put your hand down. But the reason that I do that is not necessarily to check the temperature of the water. Because most pools now have a thermometer. You can just pick it up. And you just... I think that is rain. I think it is. Shh. It is. Anyway. But ever since I read this story, I have been infatuated with the idea of the possibility of walking on water myself. So if you've grown up in church, you know the story of Peter walking on water, right? Raise your hand if you've heard that story. If not, your mind's about to get blown, okay? But there's still something in me, even though I know it's not going to happen. I'll go to a pool, and you know you always try to play it off like you're doing something else when you don't want people to know what you're doing. Like if you're picking your nose or something, like you just try to act like you're doing something else, like... You're talking to somebody, and you're like, oh, look at that over there. And you just kind of hide it. You know what I'm talking, you know, you know what it is. I've seen some of you do it at the school. I know what you're talking about. But I walk by the pool, and I'm just letting people think that I'm trying to test the water, but I'm actually seeing if my foot will stop on top of, top of the water. Because you best believe if I can w run across it, I'm going to do it where everybody can see me so I can show off while I'm doing it. Like, I'm fascinated by this story. I would love to be walking on water. But I'm more than likely going to dunk a basketball in a regulation height goal before I walk on water, which means both of those are very, very highly, uh, not only unlikely, they are impossible. But that's where we are tonight. The story of Peter walking on water, that would just be all Raise your hand if you'd love to do that. I'm going to be honest with you, there's something terribly wrong with me because I passed by a water puddle earlier today and I was like, could this be the day? But I was wearing another pair of shoes and they were new and I was like, not ruining these on the chance that I cannot. Um, I'm going to read all of the verses for us together. After I do that, we're going to walk through them slowly and kind of figure out what's going on. Hope you're ready. Here we go. If not, they will be on the screen. 
If not, it's because someone new is running the screens and they have zero cents. <clears throat> Here we go. Matthew 14, <clears throat> verse 22. Immediately, immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. This he that it's talking about is Jesus. While he dismissed the crowds. We'll talk about what's going on a little bit with the crowd. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Then it goes on to say, But the boat by this time was a long way off from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. That means there's a storm. Them are the disciples in the boat. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. This is awesome, but it's Jesus. He can do that kind of stuff. But when the disciples, I love this part, but when the disciples saw, saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. What else could it be? Perfect time of year to be talking about ghosts, by the way. This just fell right on the perfect day. And they cried out in fear. Clearly, they didn't have beards. But immediate, or mustaches. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, Command me to come to you on the water. This is a bold statement, by the way. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when he had gotten to the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Let's pray together. God, thank you for how you love us. God, thank you for this extraordinary story, God, and how, God, it is real. God, it is true, and it is still powerful today. God, I pray that you will draw our hearts, call our hearts to live with a greater faith. God, allow us to see when was the last time we took any kind of bit of step of faith whatsoever, whether it was a small one or a big one. God, let us rest in you, Jesus. Let us know who you are. Let us see the opportunities that you put before us every day. Father, what you want to give, we receive, and we receive what you want to give, Jesus. There is nobody like you. We exalt your name in this place. Holy Spirit, we're dependent on you. God, give us eyes to see you, ears to hear you, God, hearts that are ready to believe. God, thank you for this group of students that chose to be here tonight. God, I pray that we have a moment with you that changes everything. God, please continue to save. Please continue to call dead hearts to life, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, first two verses. We're going to get through quickly because we've got a lot to cover in a very small amount of time. Did I mention we are about to move out of this room? Yes, I did. Moving on from that. Okay, it picks up in verse 22. It says, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. What crowds are we talking about? Does anybody know? We talked about it for about 42 minutes last week. Oh man, I suck at this. Yes! Remember, there were five fishes. Two pieces of bread. 25,000 people. Remember, because it says 5,000 men. If you knew the normal size, the average size of a family back then, it adds up to be about 25,000 people. And Jesus 
with five fishes and two pieces of bread and some disciples, he fed all of those people and there were leftovers. And it says that they were full. What happens when you get full? Does anybody else want to take a nap? I do. I'll be honest with you. You know how I am. I tried to do right with my eating two nights ago. No, last night I had Popeye's. And I regret nothing of it. I actually met a Chick-fil-A employee go to Popeye's and get my food for me. My pleasure, bro-ham. Anyway, so like these people, they ate. Now it's time to take a nap. But, but Jesus tells these guys, hey, you have to go home. You can't sleep here. This is a desolate place. If you sleep here, you're probably going to get ants on you. I don't know really what he told them, but he told them, hey, it's time to go home. But see, this is a beautiful leadership moment that we need to learn because Jesus is the leader of the disciples. They were tired from being a part of this miracle. And what Jesus does as a leader, he says, hey, you guys go on and I'll make sure everybody gets home. Listen, if you label yourself to be a leader, whether it's in athletics, academics, show choir, the band, anything that you've got going on, if you're labeling yourself a leader, but you're always making people serve you instead of you serving them, that there is something terribly wrong with your leadership style. Because at the moment when the disciples are tired and they need a break, Jesus allows them to go rest while he continues doing the work. So that's just a side note. That's nothing to do with what we're talking about tonight. But if you're going to be a leader, then you need to take care of the people that you are leading. But back to what we were doing. So Jesus is dismissing the crowds. But this is where I want us to focus first on this first point. In verse 23 it says, And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Listen, they just were like, they just had a massive spiritual victory, right? There's 25,000 people there. Not a lot of food. They all get fed. There's food left over. Everybody, the disciples are running around doing chest bumps, giving each other high fives and all that stuff, probably slapping each other on the butt saying good game. Like it is a spiritual high. But let me tell you this. One of the times that the devil is going to attack you the most with sin is after a spiritual victory or a spiritual high in your life. Maybe this is what it could look like for you. We go to spring break camp. We go to camp in the summer. We get you disengaged from all the junk that ruins your mind. And for a week, you're plugged into the Word. For a week, you're worshiping with all that you have. For a week, you are soaking up someone preaching the Bible to you. And everybody around you is on the same page. And, you are ha and there is something, a fire that is kindled in you for the Lord that you're like, God, whatever you want me to do, I'm all about it. But we get home and with two, within two weeks, it is gone. The reason because is Satan is always going to attack after a spiritual high. The only way that you can maintain that fire that was lit at a camp or somewhere that you get a spiritual victory or a spiritual high is you have to continue to go to God in prayer. Like Jesus knows these things. Any great moment in history for the church was preceded and followed with somebody in prayer. So listen, maybe you've been there before to where you feel like you can conquer the world for Jesus and three weeks later you're back being an idiot. I bet that you can trace it back to when you got back off this mountaintop, you didn't really spend much time in prayer. 
You didn't spend a lot of time alone with God like Jesus is doing on the mountaintop. You didn't spend a lot of time in the Word when you got back. You didn't spend a lot of time worshiping when you got back. Now, once or twice a week, you were killing it when you were at church. But what about Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday? I can't say Saturday because we have church on that day now. But the enemy is going to attack you after you have some kind of spiritual victory, spiritual high. And if, if you want to take it outside of the student realm for camp, for us as Journey Church, I know the enemy is coming after this thing that we have called E3. Always. Because that is like the Super Bowl for us at, as a church at Journey. It is an Easter event for us. Sometimes it's one week long. Sometimes it's three weeks long. Sometimes it's two weeks long. Where we gather together as a church every single night. We pray together. We sing together. We read the word together. The word is preached over us. And it is the best time to be at Journey Church. But I always know the weeks following that, the enemy is going to come. So we have to be in prayer. We have to be in the word. We have to be worshiping alone with God even when those things are finished. So listen. Being here on Wednesday is awesome. I want you all to be here. I wish the whole school would just not even drive their cars over, just walk from the parking lot over there and come over here, but not to this building in a couple of weeks, in that building. But if the whole school comes, we're going to have to build another one, which would be awesome. I want you here. I want you here on the weekends. But this can't be you at the, your best. This, if this is you at your best for Jesus, then that is terrible. You've got to be alone with God when you're away from this place. You gotta be alone from God when you're away from this place. Okay, now we gotta keep going. He's by himself praying when evening was alone. All right, now let's pick up in 24 and go through 27. It says, But the boat by this time was a long way away from the land, beaten by the waves and the wind that was against them. That means that they are in a storm, right? They're in a boat. Big waves are coming around. Have you guys ever, oh man, I can't, I can't help it. Every time. I'm on Facebook. Facebook knows what kind of videos get me. You guys aren't on Facebook because Facebook is dumb to you. It's, you're, not, it's, you're way too cool for that. You got Instagram and Snapchat. But what, what Facebook has come to me is all the sponsored ads are way cooler than what the people I know post. Because, man, there's just, I'm going to be honest with you, the, video, the sponsored videos of people fighting, Brandon, you might like this, I watch every one of them. Throwing hands, man, and somebody, whew, somebody's getting killed every time. Not like literally dead. They always get up like 10 minutes later. Brian, I thought I saw you on one, but it wasn't you. And then, I always watch these videos of people making stuff. The stuff they make is always terrible, but I'm fascinated by the way they make it. But the other one, the ones that always come across my, my feed are boats wrecking in water. And it's not, it's not like the driver was going fast and hit something because there's not like a lot of stuff. You can't hit a tree out there. You know what I'm saying? But they always get caught in a storm. Like the boat's like this and then it like flips over or it throws it onto another boat or maybe it throws it onto the road past the beach. You guys should watch these videos. They're fascinating. And always in my head, I'm like, I wonder if a person or a dog is like under there stuck in that thing because that would suck. That would be a terrible way to go out. But that's what I'm imagining these guys. They're like in a little wood boat and that thing just you know rocking and like you know you get seasick you start throwing up anybody been deep sea fishing Whew. once the seasickness hits it is rough you just lay down on the bottom and just hope that you just go on in or the storm stops immediately but I just see this boat like flopping around maybe they're flying maybe like they're 
I'm assuming they don't have life jackets, so maybe they've got just some rope tying themselves to the seat. Because the, the storm is crap. Has anybody ever been afraid? Have you ever been stuck in the middle of the sea with no life jacket and a storm is throwing you everywhere afraid? I haven't been that kind of afraid, except this one time I'm going to tell you that story in a minute. I'm ashamed to tell it, but I'm telling it tonight for the first time. And it says, and in the fourth watch of the night, we don't talk like this, but this is 3 a.m. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you guys, nothing good happens for you guys in the fourth watch of the night, so don't be out at that time. I don't know why I'm doing this. Fourth watch, 3 o'clock, I think. I could be wrong. I'm not, it's 3. 3 o'clock in the morning, in the fourth watch, he came up to them walking, which seems normal. But then you add those other couple words on the sea. It gets extremely abnormal at this point. Because remember, they're rocking in the boat, got themselves strapped down, probably squealing. And Jesus is just strutting up. Like, the wind and the waves have like... He's just like walking up, hey. Like some of you guys do in the hallway. I've seen you over there. It's quite impressive. And it says, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, terrified, terrified. <laughs> Golly, I'm glad the fair is gone. They were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Look, they, I'm going to be honest with you. If I was in the middle of the ocean, whether there was a storm or not, if somebody comes walking up beside me, I'm probably going to be a little bit scared as well. I'm going to be honest with you. If I'm in the dark and somebody just comes walking up beside me, whether I'm in the ocean or standing in this room, I'm probably going to get a little bit freaked out. And this is where my story is. As you all, like, you do dumb stuff when you're scared, right? I'm not talking about, like, fight or fright. Fight or flight, that's what I meant, not fright. You know, where you punch or you run. Um, usually, like, like, if you've known me long enough, like, people will tell you, don't try to scare me. Because usually my first instinct is I'm going to throw one or possibly two hands or something at you. Because when you're a small person, that's just what you do. You just, and you punch up because everybody's taller than you. Because you don't really want to hit somebody in the belly button. I mean, what kind of story is that? <laughs> Several years ago, I was the tender age of 20 years old. <laughs> this, I, this is, I don't know why I'm telling this story. I was 20 years old. I had my own house uh, in, in Stringer, Mississippi. Stringer, there's not an A in it. Um, my little cousin was... He was a senior when I was 20. I think we we're two or three years apart. Um, so guys who were like in 10th grade or 9th grade when I was a senior, they were still in high school. So they would always come over to my house because I had a pool table. Um, they ate all my food. And I was broke at 20. I don't know how I fed all these mouths. I mean, I've been like a dad a long time. And, like, I would come home from work, and, like, I would get home from work just depending on what I did that day, like, at 2 o'clock, and they would be, like, all in my living room watching TV eating my food. I'm like, don't you have school? I'm going to call your mom. It's my aunt. She lives right down there. But one of them, thinking they were sharp, one time was in Hattiesburg at the store in the mall that was called FYE for your entertainment. 
And they always had like big posters and like life-size cutout posters of people. And one of them, being the goody that he was, there was a life-size Hannah Montana cutout. <laughs> like life-size. Like, I didn't know she was so tall. She was taller than me, if you can believe it. And I came home from work one day, and they were in there watching TV, and there was Hannah Montana standing there next to the couch. And I'm like, man, this is weird, but whatever. And, and she just became a fixture in the house. However, one night I was there by myself. I was asleep in my room, because that's typically where I would sleep. I'm asleep. Um, sometimes in the middle of the night, you got to wake up and go to the restroom. Was it a one? Was it a two? I'm not saying. <laughs> but I don't do good right when I wake up. One, if you've ever been around me in the morning, you probably remember the experience we had together if you tried to talk to me. But I'm just not good. Like Mo, if she hear, at this point in time in our marriage, if she hears a bump in the night, she only wakes me up if she thinks whatever out there deserves to die. Because if I have to wake up, I'm probably going to go kill it. Whether it be the neighbor's dog, a person... If I have to wake up, it's on. I'm not coming out to talk. I'm, I'm boom, like Jesus walking on the sea. I'm coming out the door. Anyway, so I roll out of my waterbed. Had a waterbed at the time, which was awesome. It was heated, thankfully. And I'm walking through the house, and I don't think we had lights on cell phones yet. And like, I don't remember if a car drove by or what. But there's somebody standing in my living room kind of posed up like this, like ready to fight. And I couldn't really see. But I got ready to go throw hands on Hannah Montana. But I tripped over some stuff on my way there. And for about five minutes, I thought Hannah Montana was going to kill me in the living room of my house because I hit the ground and I started running, rolling so she couldn't hit me. And she was wearing a bedazzled vest, and the bedazzlement gave it away, because I figured, hey, no killer's coming in wearing a bedazzled vest. <laughs> but you do stupid stuff when you get scared. Like, people's been, obviously, people's been believing in ghosts for a really long time, because when, like, they just watched Jesus feed 25,000 people, you would assume they would say, oh, it's Jesus, it's walking on water. But no, they're like, oh, it's a ghost. And now they're like trying to get under the seat in the boat. But this is the problem. What did they assume the ghost was going to do? Oh, here's just an empty boat floating around. I think I'll just go walk to the next one. Obviously, there's somebody in there. They could also hear the screaming. I can scream really high. I just found that out. But like we do dumb stuff when we are afraid. But this is the thing I want you to know. If Jesus came walking up, I don't mean physically, but Jesus gives us opportunities every day. Opportunities to engage with Him and sharing the gospel with some, somebody. Giving us opportunities to be involved with what He is doing here. But if Jesus were to walk up to you, would you even know who He is or would you assume He is somebody completely different? Like, you got, like, we weren't there when he fed the 25,000, but we do know that they put him in a grave and he walked out of it. Like, we confess to love this, this man named Jesus. We will even sing songs, raise our hands. These songs are about him. 
But when he walks up into our lives, do we know that that's him? And the other thing is, no matter what storm is going on in your life, if you will look hard enough, you'll see that Jesus is right there with you. He never leaves. Never. No matter how bad your life may seem, no matter how bad the storm may be, Jesus is standing there saying, take heart, it is me. I'm the one who can calm the storm. I'm the one who can bring it. I'm the one who can bring you through But the thing is, what I don't want you to miss, do you notice Jesus when he walks up? Do you notice it's Jesus when he's the one presenting you opportunities every day? Because let's be honest, you probably felt nudged or a call to to probably have a gospel-centered conversation with somebody so far this week, and you missed it. Either because you were too afraid or you weren't 100% sure that was Jesus or not. But... So we got the guys, they're, they're, uh, they're hiding in the bottom of the boat. And Jesus says, take heart. And then you see like one, I want you to imagine one head pop up over the side of the boat. The rest of them are like laying in there. And it's none other than our friend Pete Dog, The one and only Peter. The same Peter that denies Jesus three times. The same Peter that Jesus called Satan. I mean, how would you like for Jesus to say, get behind me, Satan, and talk to you? That would suck, just being honest. But this is the same Peter that we're going to talk about in a minute who does something phenomenal. He pokes up his head while everybody else is still dipped down in the boat because old ghosty's out here. And he says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Um, Some Bible translators say this word, if we read it differently than we should. Because we read it as if Peter is saying, if it is you, Lord, as there may be some doubt in it. But they said this could very well be translated, not the word if, but since. Because Peter looks out over the edge of the boat. He hears Jesus' voice. He knows it. He knows what he looks like. And he says, since it is you, Lord, if you call me, I am coming. Like everybody else is still scared in the boat. But Peter looks up and he says, if it's you and you tell me to come, I'm coming. And Jesus said, come. And then the coolest thing in the world happens. Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and he came to Jesus. Like like tonight is not about you walking on water, even though that would be awesome. But how many times has God called us to something, but we were too afraid to step out of the boat and go? Like when we, and, and if you see this, he says, Jesus, if it's you, if you call me, I'm going to come. When was the last time? Remember last week we talked about, do we see the needs of the people around us? When was the last time we saw the needs and we said, Jesus, if you will use us to do something about this, we will go do it. Eleven guys are still sitting in the boat. But one dude is walking on water. What kind of faith do you have? I'm sure Peter was still a little bit scared because it doesn't say the storm is gone. It actually, we're about to read, it's still there. But even when he was afraid, he stepped out of the boat and started walking towards Jesus. What kind of faith do you have? Because Peter has one, even though he is an imperfect man who does stupid stuff, he's got the kind of faith that can walk on water. 
do you at least have the kind of faith that can walk over to somebody and tell them about Jesus? Do you have the kind of faith that will give you the strength to say no to the things that you know God wants you to say no to? Do you have the kind of faith that will cause you to say yes to the things that you know God wants you to say yes to? And see, this is the beautiful thing. This story is not about Peter walking on water. It's about Peter following after Jesus. And then this is what it says, picking up in verse 30. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. Obviously, he's seeing the waves crash up at this point. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Listen, Peter was just a dude of little faith, obviously. But do you see what a little faith did? A little faith carried a man on top of water. For I don't know if he took four steps. I don't know if he took three. I don't know if he took 20. But whether it was three, four, or 20, that's three, four, or 20 more than any other man ever took. Um, one old, old, old pastor said that Peter didn't actually walk on the water. He stepped on the words of come when Jesus said to come to him. And when he started to sink, Jesus wasn't like, well, you're on your own now, bro ham. And then just go get in the, keep walking or get in the boat. He reached down and pulled him up and put him back in the boat with his other friends. And maybe they made fun of him. Oh, Peter, you're wet. Hey. And me, with my terrible attitude, I'm like, Whoa. big homie, you were in here squealing like a girl while I was out there walking on water. What kind of faith do you have? Because a genuine faith in Jesus, you cannot keep that to yourself. A genuine faith in Jesus is always going to cause you to walk in faith. We are meant to live spirit-filled and spirit-led lives. And it's obvious, obvious that we don't that often or the church would have more power and more impact than it does right now. It's obvious that you, you're like, man, I've heard this before. I say it a lot. It's obvious that we, we, aren't, we don't have a faith that walks because more people at the school across the road aren't having life change stories, aren't being baptized. Or the schools all across the county. Because in all reality, the majority of us are the people who are still sitting in the boat. Not 100% sure if it's Jesus when he walks up or not. But what would it look like if just a handful of us had the kind of faith that would cause us to step out of the boat and walk to Jesus and do whatever he's calling us to do? Because I am convinced more than anything in the world, if Peter would have continued to look at Jesus instead of the storm, he would still be walking on water. Maybe not today, but he wouldn't have fallen into the water then. Because he only fell when he took his attention, when he took his eyes off of Jesus. Peter did this when Jesus said to come. In Acts chapter 2, there's this thing called the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is poured out. All these people are gathered together. It says the multitudes... This is after Peter has walked on water. This is after Peter uh, denied Jesus three times. This is after Peter repented, but this is the beautiful part. All these people are gathered together. This awesome thing is happening. 
And Peter steps up in front of him and he starts to preach the gospel of who Jesus is. He's just telling the story of Jesus. And he's probably a little bit scared. There's a lot of people there. You can get scared talking to people. And they are going to remember him for his mistakes. But, G- but Peter gets up and tells the story of Jesus, and this is what it says. It says, So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. But before that, and after the walking on water, this is what happened in Matthew 28. Jesus is talking to the disciples. He makes sure Peter is there. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That night on the sea, when God said, Come, and Peter was obedient, he walked on water. At the end of Matthew, God said, go. And Peter was obedient, and he preached the word, and on one day over 3,000 people were saved and were baptized. Walking on water is quite a miracle, but it fails in comparison to the lives that were changed when Peter was obedient and just preached the gospel to people. Like, I'm not telling you that you have to, like, stand on a stage and preach to people. But what I am saying, if you are a believer who loves Jesus, who has been born again, then you can't help but step out of the boat in faith and have gospel-centered conversations with people and be a part of life change. What kind of faith do you have? And how is that faith impacting people around you? Because even if the other 11 would have made fun of Peter... They all had to confess the dude had the kind of faith that walked on water. People may make fun of you about your faith. People may call you weird. Because it is kind of weird. But it's real. What kind of faith do you have? How is it impacting the people around you? And no matter, no matter how crazy the thing is, the thing is that God is calling you to, if you are just obedient, he will take care of the miracle part. But what I want to ask you, and everybody in the room, adults, me, and all of you, when was the last time you took a great step of faith? When was the last time you had a step out of the boat moment and did something that was so crazy that God was calling you to that if he did not show up, you were definitely going to fail? Because typically how we like to live our lives is safe in the boat, saying that we believe in Jesus, but we're not really going to push the limits whatsoever. And just forget, forget when was the last time you took a great step of faith? When was the last time you took a baby step of faith? At all. Because if you are a believer, I know without any doubt that God has been calling your heart to do something. Some of you more than others, just because of where you are in life right now, God is calling you to something, but you are so afraid or either you're just stubborn and don't want to do it. I'm here to encourage you to take a great step of faith and do whatever that is God is calling you to. Is it to missions? I don't know. Is it to seek Him more deeply in prayer and in Scripture reading? I don't know. Is it to have a greater prayer for someone and share the gospel with them? I have no clue. 
Is he calling you to salvation? I don't know that either. I'm just Brandon. I'm not God. But I know that God is always calling all of us to something at some point in time in our life. Have the kind of faith that steps out of the boat and does whatever God's calling you to, no matter how crazy it may seem. And keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Don't worry about all the other stuff. And he takes care of the miracle part of it. And if you fall and you get a little bit wet, it's okay. You cry out to Jesus, he picks you back up, and you lock eyes on him again, and you keep walking in faith. I'm going to pray for us. Then we're going to break out into groups. God, thank you for how you love us. God, let us walk with a greater faith in Jesus.